On today's episode, we throw some shade at Amazon Prime Day, we break down Apple's newly released iPods, and iTunes podcasting hits a milestone. It's episode 11 of Magnificent. Last time I checked, I was Ian Fuchs. And with me are MacTrass.com senior editor Chris Hout and the Apple Care certified entitled punk, Mr. J. Glenn Kunzler. Good evening to you two. Good evening. Good evening. Glenn, <laughs> I, uh, I think this is the longest title you've had. I, I think it is, uh, but it's, it's confusingly it's, long. It's a notable one. Um, it's the first certification I ever obtained from Apple, the certification of entitled punk. And there's a story to go with it. Um, I had a, an incident a couple of years ago where I purchased an iMac. It was one of the uh, late 2012 models, back when they were new. The first one to roll out with that uh, with that thin style, and uh, I, I had an issue right out uh, right out of the box. And the issue was an interesting one in which the screen <laughs> literally fell and and just about just about bonked me in the head. It obviously wasn't adhered properly, so there was um there was a process of trying to get this trying to get this. Well, as, as I recall, when it happened, how you put it was the son of a bitch tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> something that, like that's, that that's I, I think i was the opening to for the day i think when we first defective. chatted that day <laughs> uh, most of the people i dealt with uh, at apple to resolve this were uh were really pretty cool and, and went out of their way to, to help me out but uh one one lady in particular um an older lady who was a senior representative at uh at apple care uh, decided that i was telling some kind of a tall tale and uh Despite the fact that, that the notes seemed to agree with me after that point, um, she thought it, it would be more productive to, uh, to spew out a few names. And so she called me an entitled punk and uh, proceeded to, uh, to hang up the phone on me, which, uh, which, of course, was just lovely. And ever since then, it's been part of my Twitter description on my Twitter handle. I am the AppleCare certified entitled punk, which uh, I'm not ashamed to say I am slightly proud of. They don't just give those certifications <laughs> away either. You got to work for that. You got to work for that a lot. That's now a I, serious certification. I assume getting the actual printed certification probably was was more of a challenge than actually receiving the certification. Yeah, most of like what I got in the just... mail were uh, photographs of people flipping me off. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> was it was it hard to sort those out from the ones you usually get every day? Yeah, though that they always uh, they always shipped in really nice envelopes ah. because they come direct from Apple. Yeah, the Apple nice logo on them. So logo on them. Yeah. <laughs> these, are, these are certified. <laughs> Did Steve actually flip you off on his deathbed? That's that's the big question these people want to know. Uh, no, but it's the first thing Tim did when he got the job. Well, I think it's part of the requirement of the job. <laughs> so, uh, kind of spinning off of that, I assume. Since it's Apple Care certification and it ties into my first question, a coworker of mine just got a new iPhone, and he uh, asked me about insurance versus Apple Care. Now, Glenn, as our resident uh, Apple Store current, well, more or less Apple Store current employee, uh, what do you recommend between insurance and Apple Care, and why? And maybe we should even go a step further and say, like, you know, Apple Care covers what versus insurance covers what i always default to recommending apple care i think it has the best 
cost and value balance of all of the different options that people have available to them. So there are a few key differences between Apple Care Plus, which is the current offering for iPhones and, and iPads, um, versus the various types of insurance that are available, which include adding your phone to your homeowner's policy or insurance like Square Trade, which you can purchase for a fee, or options like uh, AT&T's mobile protection plan, Verizon and Sprint and, and T-Mobile, all have something similar. Right. Sure. The thing that I like the best about Apple Care is it's very, very affordable. It's a $99 fee. It covers you for two years. And, and it doesn't recur monthly. A lot of these uh, end up costing you between 5 and $10 a month indefinitely for whatever your current device is. They typically cover one device at a time with a few notable exceptions where you can get uh, multi-device policies. But that $99 one-time fee that covers you for two years gets you quite a lot. It gets you phone support directly from Apple, the manufacturer of your device, the people that are most equipped to be able to handle issues that, that might come up. It also gets you priority support at Apple retail stores and authorized retailers. Those that have Apple Care get their service at no cost, where people that don't have Apple Care are generally going to be asked to pay a fee. Other types of coverage, including AT&T's coverage and adding it to your homeowner's policy or choosing to cover it with a company like Square Trade, are not going to offer a similar time of service benefit to you, at least not in the same way where you can approach the manufacturer directly and ask for assistance. It's also got a cheaper deductible than other types of insurance. So with AppleCare Plus, if you drown your phone or shatter your phone or iPad, you pay a one-time deductible of $50, which covers any iPad, or $80, which covers any currently produced iPhone. And for that price, they simply take your existing device and trade it straight across the table for a brand new device. So Those you're looking at a seem... total buy-in of less than $300, which Those is phenomenal so for getting devices like this. Why are the iPads cheaper? Oh, the, the copay or whatever. I know the deductible on the iPad is cheaper. I do remember that. But that just seems backwards. I, I suppose well, more iPhones, people break iPhones. iPhones do have a higher production cost than iPads. I suppose. Miniaturization costs. You've ultimately got to fit a lot more technology into a lot smaller space. I think you also have people that, because they're carrying iPhones, probably break iPhones more. Right. Right. So they get it, they get to charge their premium. Oh, whatever. That was that was a sidetrack that you said it and it was like, well, oh, that's weird. So for a total buy-in of less than $300, you're fully covered for 2 years. Phone support, walk-ins to stores, really any type of service and support that you're going to need for the device. All the other services I'm aware of charge a significantly higher deductible. AT&T's mobile insurance, for instance, is $200 every time you go to make a claim, in addition to a $7 per month fee, which adds up beyond the base cost of AppleCare Plus fairly quickly. Although they do have in their advantage the fact that the deductible will go down over time if you don't make any claims. There is an advantage of going with other types of service, especially service through your carrier, however. 
because it does provide one key benefit that Apple currently does not provide through Apple Care, and that is loss mm-hmm. and theft coverage. Right. So while Apple Care seems like a great deal, if you're somebody that's prone to losing your device or somebody that works in retail where, where items are commonly stolen or if your device is commonly left in any type of public area, you might want to consider getting a supplement for that Apple Care, which is how I've come to think of a lot of these other services. So the solution that I use um, for my own situation is I always get Apple Care Plus on my Apple devices or Apple Care in the case of the Mac. And then I subscribe to AT&T's mobile device protection policy. It's $10 a month, but it will cover multiple devices that you might own. You can add an iPhone, an iPad, and a laptop to it. And the deductibles are very, very reasonable in those rare cases that you might need to take advantage of them. Hmm. That's a fun way to do it, I guess, or an interesting way to do it. Use a little what do you guys think? How do you guys protect your devices? I am just on Apple Care, and I'm actually uh, now that I think about it, I have an iPhone six plus for my wife that I have to figure out what to do with uh, because we had had Apple Care on her six, and then it got stolen. And as you just pointed out, <laughs> the one thing that's not covered by Apple Care is loss or theft. So the Apple Care did me no good. So I paid my hundred bucks for it, and now I'm just out that hundred bucks, uh, unless the phone, you know, miraculously makes its way home, which <laughs> I highly doubt is going to happen. Um, but I need to figure out what to do with their six plus, and I'm trying to decide: do I do Apple Care on it? Do I just do the insurance through Verizon? Do I go out to one of these third-party companies and try to find one of those that's maybe a better deal, or? one of those in addition to and especially if I can find one that's a little bit better price per month or something that'll let me pay for you know six months at a time or a year at a time and also do the Apple Care, I might consider that just in the event that I need to replace a another stolen phone. I would hope not, but it's uh always a possibility around here I guess. What do you do, Chris? This last time, back in December, when we bought our iPhone 6 Pluses, we went through T-Mobile. And until then, we'd always went Apple Care. But T-Mobile, they did push their jump plan, which is the every year upgrade and all that. And included in the deal was accidental and uh, coverage, you know, and basically an Apple Care-like product. But it also did cover breakage with no deductible plus uh, up to two thefts or losses. So we're paying a monthly fee for that, but it's also part of the jump plan. Does that include uh, technical service? Yes. So So, we'll uh, see how it is if we we ever have to actually have to use it. Julie did use lose her phone the other a few months ago, but we were able to find it. So we didn't get to try out their replacement policy. How do you feel about T-Mobile's ability to support Apple devices, say, on the software level with with features, or if you come in there with questions about a device, have you ever had to deal with that? I have not, and I will guarantee they're probably not going to be anywhere near, uh, you know, Apple Store or Apple Genius or even an Apple authorized dealer. Luckily, I'm in the spot where I very seldom 
need anything like that because I do. I like to think I'm a power user. I, I can usually fix most of my problems myself. Find out right. what it is without a visit to the store, having to call Apple. I don't think I've ever had to. I had to call Apple once my first iPad years ago. They had a, a very small number of iPads that wouldn't play video without rebooting. And I was a lucky winner. I got one of them. And uh, so I had to call to get that replaced. They sent me a new one within two days, and we were we were done with it. But thats I believe that's the only time I've ever actually had to call Apple about anything. So this this would be my paramount concern with people that only go with the protection plans that their carrier offers, is what happens when you do need assistance? Um, I can tell you from experience that I spend a lot of time behind the service bar in an Apple retailer. Oh, go ahead, Dean. You do get that one year free with just your... Your warranty through right, Apple, right? You have your basic Apple so, so you if, sort if, of if, get that one year free, right? And but, I guess I, well, you can take I it in the know, store, but after ninety days, they'll charge you for a phone call. Oh, yeah. that's right. You only get ninety days. I, of phone I, have, I have a I have a store close enough that it's not a big deal. But you can still take it in. You can take it in the store for a year and get the free replacement. So I can say from experience uh, that I spend a pretty good amount of time behind the service bar at an Apple retailer, and. Probably at least 50% of the walk-ins that we get are people that say, well, there's something wrong with my phone that needs to be replaced. And it will be an issue such as do not disturb being turned on and the customer wasn't aware. Or they think their speaker doesn't work because the, uh, the mute switch got triggered in their pocket or taking it in and out of the case. And their carrier, T-Mobile or AT&T or Verizon or Sprint or whoever, didn't have the knowledge to troubleshoot that, immediately assumed the device was defective and sent them to an Apple reseller, which isn't the greatest experience for a user, especially when they ultimately feel stupid because they bring their device in and 10 seconds later, we flipped a switch and they're walking back out the door feeling a little bit silly. Or they have that instance where they they had a couple scratches on the side or the back or the battery's not lasting quite long enough and they have their hopes up that they're getting a new device. Right. And then you're like, oh, nope, I just flipped that switch, and you get to take this old device home. And they're <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. So the issue is one where the carriers, more often than not, either don't have the technical ability to properly support these devices or are setting improper expectations when customers have minor, easily solved issues that the store doesn't have the immediate ability to resolve. Um, you're definitely not going to get the same level of support from a third party or corporate carrier store that you're going to get from Apple or one of their authorized partners. Oh, that's a, that's most assured. Yeah. I do know for me having Apple care on, I believe it was my iPhone five um, saved me about 200 bucks. And then for my wife saved her about 200 bucks on her iPhone 5, I had an issue with my power button stopped working. Mm-hmm. And I took it into the store. It had been over a year. I mean, the 5S was out. It had been a year and a half, something like that. Took it in. The uh, the guy in the Apple store clicked it a couple times. The screen didn't wake up. He clicked the home button. It did. He clicked it a couple more times. It wouldn't lock the screen. He said, oh, let me look up your serial number. You know, here's what it's going to be. And he looks it up and he's like, oh, you have Apple Care on this. Never mind everything I just said. It's not going to actually cost you anything. I'll be right back. 
walks to the back of the store, comes back, brand new phone, boom, out. And that was solved. My wife, same thing. Her battery started having problems, took it into the store. They were like, oh, well, diagnostic says the battery's only holding 60% of its original life or something like that. Uh, we don't we we don't have a tech on site right now or there we can't get it battery swapped right now but we can swap the device is that okay yes swapped it on my way in 20 minutes time mm-hmm. and both mm-hmm. of those because of apple care they swapped the device on the spot there was no sending it into Verizon paying a deductible anything like that so right. yeah we had a similar thing with our iPhone 5 or Julie's iPhone 5 that had the bad switch bad power switch and we just made a Made a genius appointment, walked in, half hour later, walk out with a new iPhone or refurbished iPhone. So uh, it's definitely, the the main advantage is, I mean, like you said, going directly to Apple, they're going to know more about it. But plus, they can swap it out immediately, where with some of the insurance plans or the carrier plans, you're going to wait two to five days before another one comes to you. So you're without your device for that amount of time, which for a lot of people, that's a disaster. So maybe there's a more important discussion to to tack on to this concept, and that is the discussion of why doesn't Apple offer theft and loss insurance? Now, I've I've wondered about this for a long time. I, I've considered a lot of arguments why they might choose not to do this. Um, chief among the arguments that commonly comes up is, well, how does Apple know the device was really lost or, or are really stolen or something of that nature? It wouldn't be very difficult for them to verify that, though. Um, Just like the carrier has the ability to see whether there's any activity on your phone after you report it lost or stolen, Apple's got a very, very similar ability as well. They can easily channel into iCloud on a device that's reported stolen. They can see movement patterns. They know whether messages have been sent or received from an Apple ID, whether phone calls or FaceTime calls have been placed whether you have access data and it's tracking against your Safari history. They can run mobile diagnostics against your device to see whether data is being used and how that data is being used. They really have all the same tools at their disposal as far as telling whether a device is really lost or stolen as the carrier. Yeah, probably even more. Um, So why do you guys think Apple hasn't done this yet? Even if they offered it at an additional cost, it seems like, Kind of I a lost opportunity for them. Yeah, I would pay it. Yeah, whatever the additional. If it was, if it was two hundred dollars instead of a hundred dollars for two years, have the extra hundred bucks guaranteed. Yeah. Um, the only thing I can figure is there's, I don't know, like so if if it's actually if it's lost, I could see where there would be the issue of somebody just reports it lost and gets their replacement phone if it's stolen they can track the activity so require a police report what right or or something i mean and and i don't make it ridiculously difficult by any means or you know just remote brick the device because they can do that too right make make it completely useless so that if you try to to jimmy the system and say well this is this is what happened and and obviously they're still going to charge the $79 $79 replacement fee that they would if the device was shattered or whatever. Nobody's going to bat an eye at that and think, oh, well, that's unfair. I still have to pay $79 to replace this device. Well, 
yeah, you're getting a basically a brand new phone for the one that you don't have anymore for six hundred dollars less than what it costs at full retail, if not more. So I mean, well, you I, bring you bring that up six hundred dollars more there. I mean, by not offering accidental loss or theft coverage, they get six hundred ninety nine to nine hundred ninety nine dollars for a new device. They get another sale. But I I think it's pretty likely to assume that they'd actually be getting more than that in reality if they did offer the service. Well, yeah, because, because a lot of people aren't going to lose it, and and you're going to have a lot right. of people. Right, a lot of people aren't making their Apple Care claims on damage. I mean, that's what the entire no insurance industry was built on. Exactly. They they just got to build enough of a margin in to account for how many claims they actually have. You're making a bet with the insurance company. I'm going to have a car crash, yeah. and the insurance company saying, "No, you won't." Damn it! Yes, I will. You watch me. You hide me. You just you stand right there. I'm getting in my car. So, yeah, I, I I've wondered how it was what a couple of years ago when they switched to the Apple Care Plus, where it covered the accidental damage. Right? I mean, it's right. only been in the last three, four, maybe maybe yeah, I'm yeah, last older couple of years. I believe. At the, yeah, at least two years. But but at, at one point, Apple Care was really just the thing that covered extended your warranty. Right. And gave you some phone support. And now the accidental damage, the water protection or water damage protection and destruction and all of that have been added in. And so it's only a matter of time, I think, before we get to a point where Apple does the loss prevention. The other thing that that gets me is the that Apple doesn't offer a multi-device policy. Because right. they they constantly are saying, well, you should have an iPad and an iPhone and a Mac and an Apple Watch. And, well, shit, while you're at it, buy an iPod Touch, too. Because why wouldn't you have an iPod Touch and an iPhone 6 Plus? That just mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. Get the new one. And get a Nano while you're at it. And, you know, why don't they offer a, a policy that covers all of those? And maybe maybe that becomes a yearly thing. You know, once a year you pay a subscription to... Apple Care, and it just continues to cover all of your devices or something. And I guess I understand the idea that they don't want to continue to cover a device that's four or five, six years old. You know, Macs tend to age out a lot longer than a phone. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you'd think maybe they could offer some type of policy that covers multiple devices and maybe ultimately saves the customer a little money. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, I know for me, I've spent $100 on my phone. I spent another 50 on my watch. I spent another 100 on my iPad or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. I spent another whatever the cost of it on a Mac is. I mean, you start adding it all up, and it's like I've spent 500 600 bucks on Apple Care things just to protect devices that hopefully never have a problem. And they appreciate it. And I'm sure they do, but it would be nice if, you know, they... They'll tell you how much they appreciate this Tuesday when they tell about everybody how much profit they made. I hope I get named personally. Thanks to Ian for for buying Apple Care on all of his things. I mean, there's a lot of ways to handle it, too. I mean, somebody wouldn't have to purchase two or three devices at once. I mean, at least least one of the major carriers, AT&T, offers a mobile device protection plan that... um, you don't even have to log all your serial numbers with. I mean, uh, I can add a laptop 
to my AT&T plan. Um, and they don't ask for a serial number. They don't ask for a make. They don't ask for a model. They just, from that point on, assume that I own a laptop, and if it's damaged, I can make a claim on it. And then they'll collect some information, but... Uh, of course, that would make support difficult from Apple's end. But what, yeah. what, what do you think the best way for them to do this would be? I don't know. I, the best don't... way to track not only the um, not only repairability, but you know, service and support. If somebody walks into a store, there's got to be a way of making sure that particular device is covered, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think you you register them to your your Apple ID. To your Apple ID, yeah. To me, that and makes no sense. Which ones are going to be covered? You can exactly. replace them maybe if you need to. Right. You know, this, I don't need, and, and maybe they have a limit, you know, a four device, five device limit. So, you know, for me, I can cover all mine, but my wife would have to get her own policy for all of her devices because, you know, she's got her own set of five devices. And so to kind of separate those out, because obviously they don't want me to make one policy that's one flat rate and throw 15 devices on it. But if I could do four or five in one policy, I sure as shit consider it. All right, Tim Cook, if you're listening Apple Care Protection Platform. Apple Care Protection Platform. Uh, $2 per sale royalty. Thank you. <laughs> it's always about the glitch. <laughs> that would be. Just imagine if they sell how many millions of iPhones and if a third of those iPhones bought into that. Just imagine how many millions of $2 bills you'd have. I could I could be happy with that. <laughs> That'd be so many two dollar <laughs> bills. Because I would assume hopefully they're actual two dollar bills, bills yeah. too. Because that, I, I would only spend those from that point on. I would carry a suitcase of them around. Don't take them to Taco Bell and try to buy. <laughs> I bet any. you've always wondered what a suitcase full of two dollar bills looks like. It looks like I, this. I would I would take bets with my friends. At which point I would get arrested at Best Buy because they think they're fake. There actually I was a guy who tried to pay for a taco at Taco Bell with a $2 bill, and it took him a half hour to convince them, even the manager, <laughs> that it was actually real legal tender. The, the government makes these. No, we've never seen these so, before. Really? So, wow. <laughs> so with, with that, kind of shifting gears, you have people in the world who believe that a $2 bill is fake. And we also have people in the world who sent a chunk of metal into space, and we now have pictures of Pluto Mm -hmm. up close. How about that for a segue? It's amazing. (laughs) What what do you guys think of that? How how cool is that? We have a rover out in space just taking pictures, or a satellite out in space just... Cruising past Pluto, thought he'd take some snapshots and, you know, post them to the Instagram and tweet him at his friends. Or What's whatever, it take, like, three hours, three hours for the day to get back or something like that? Or? For, mm-hmm. for the first picture, it took, like, three hours. Yeah. And did, the things they have we're to, capable of doing with technology. Didn't they have to uh, troubleshoot that? Or didn't they have yeah, some bugs was, they had to work out with a three-hour lag sending and then waiting to find out if that worked and coming back and, oh, yeah, we'll try this? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah talk uh, Talk about a real challenge in remote troubleshooting. That's, wow. So that's one of the things I thought was crazy. I was I was with family this week, kind of talking to my dad about this too. That for the next eighteen months, they're going to be sending data back from this satellite at one kilobit per second, 
which imagine dial up and then imagine 56 times slower. Right. Oh, quick aside here. October 4th, 2011. That's Apple Care Plus launch date. Oh, thank you for that. There so we go. Four years. Four years. Yeah. So, yeah, just the idea that for the next 18 months, they're going to be sending information back from this satellite. It's it's amazing what technology can do. And people complain when their iPhone switches from LTE to 3G and they're like, Facebook won't load. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not a real problem. Imagine how often the you have to refresh the page at 1K a second. 1K, Jesus. Yeah, you can't you can't even fathom that that slow of a data connection. Yeah. That's that's tin cannon string data. Yeah, I had a 300 baud and a 1200 baud modem, and uh, and uh, it's just yeah. amazing what they did. So that that was what I had about that, and that it's amazing how there's the two extremes of of people people that don't understand two dollar bills and people who can build <laughs> satellites and shoot them millions of miles into space and get them to send pictures back over what I'm assuming is the largest Wi-Fi antenna in the world. Sadly, it seems like the two dollar bill group is growing larger every <laughs> day. It is. So, um, the, uh, well, uh, yeah, the, uh, $2 bill group is, is definitely growing, but they're also doing some good for some other companies. And I'm going to skip a thing in the notes and, and move on to another yeah, topic. Yeah, just disappears. Like, like, boom, gone. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that $2 bill disbelievers, the non-believers of the $2 bill were probably some of the biggest customers this past Wednesday <laughs> on Amazon's Prime Day. And for those who don't know, if you're a Prime member, Amazon ran 24 hours of better than Black Friday deals, allegedly. And quote unquote. So I just want to know, did you guys find any good deals on Black Friday? Or I Black didn't see jack shit. I, I bought a ten pack of granny panties for an amazing <laughs> price. <laughs> did they, did I, they fit your head properly when they were delivered? Or? <laughs> a little bit snug. A yeah. little bit snug. <laughs> Those were new granny panties, right? Was, they, uh, they weren't. As far as I know, they were okay. Still in the package. I, I can't. I can't guarantee that that's correct. They, they came, came in, in a Ziploc zip bag. It was fine. <laughs> if they came in a Ziploc bag, they're, they're not new ones. <laughs> The only decent deal I saw uh, was the one Chris shared on Facebook, which was the uh, 55 gallon. Is that correct? Yes, 55 gallons of personal lubricant. Now that's a party <laughs> for, just for, waiting to happen. For for uh, the low, low price of $1,300. Yes. Um, no, that I, and a couple I, of twister mats, and you got a party. I can't imagine anyone went for that and i i really don't understand the point of the day because i clicked through i think four different times during the day which was four more times than i should have clicked through apparently um and it was like earrings and necklaces yeah. you know obviously all you know knock off super cheap um i did i did add one thing to my cart during the course of the oh, two things technically one of which was a an sd card a 32 gig SD card that I thought was a great deal. 
Um, the other thing was a slow watch. I don't know if you guys have heard of these. I actually found out about it from another podcast. But it's a single-handed watch, and the watch goes around over the course of 24 hours in a full circle. So mm-hmm. you get this very fuzzy time of like, well, it's between the 1 and the 2, and it's closer to the 1, so it must be like one fifteen ish But the idea that there's there's no exactness to it, it's a very precise watch, but reading it is not an exact science. And I had thrown that in my cart because it was like originally $300 and marked down to like $200. And then I looked at my wrist and saw my Apple watch and I was like, well, I'm not going to wear two watches. <laughs> so I got rid of it. Um, but the SD card did stay in my cart. And then the next day I ordered it because apparently it wasn't a prime day deal at all. It was just cheap because it's Amazon. Um, so that brings me to my, my biggest question about it. What was the point? Like, aren't things on Amazon cheap enough most of the time? We're talking about them, aren't we? I guess. I mean, if if, if talking about someone's failure is a success... There is then... no bad press. I guess. Well, let's just skip the rest of this topic now. <laughs> Screw them! We're so, not talking about it anymore. We're done. <laughs> yeah. No, so do you guys think it was a success for them? If 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 the idea was just to gain traction, maybe it was to get Prime subscribers. I can they see that. They seem to think it was a success because they've already announced that they're going to be doing it again on their Twitter. Okay. Well, and like I said, the only thing I can figure is that this was really a, a way to push people into signing up for Prime. Right. And, that, and even if opinion. they even if they jumped on and just did the thirty day trial, the number of people who are going to do that thirty day trial and then forget. forget. <laughs> I mean that that's how I I still have Prime. I signed up in January, and I was like, I'll just do this. I just need to order a couple things, and I want the free sh- the two day shipping. I'll take care of this, and then in February I'll cancel. And then all of a sudden I get the notification on my phone that my credit card's been charged for a hundred dollars, and I was like, damn it, they got me again. These damn subscription services with their free trials. Well played, Amazon. Sneaky. Now, if only they would put the uh, Amazon, was it Prime TV or Prime Video or whatever they call it, if they would put that on Apple TV, I'd be at least a little more contented because then I could actually use that service. Because I feel like I'm really missing out not using it, but I don't have a device that uses it. Yeah, they actually have some really good content on there. They're starting to do their own uh, series and things. Nice. I did, and Glenn's going to be really proud of me for this, I did order an Xbox One yesterday. <laughs> did you know? I did. It was it was on Groupon because I don't pay full price for anything. <laughs> it was uh, cert- Microsoft certified refurbished Xbox One, and it was like two hundred fifty bucks markdown from four hundred. And I was like, well, that's that's a decent enough discount that if I use it occasionally, and a friend and a friend of mine and I have been talking about getting them so we could play against each other in Halo because we live several states apart. So I was like, well, I'll just get it and we'll tinker around with it. Well, the good news um, is I think Amazon Prime's on the Xbox One. I, so I was just going to say, I think that I can get Prime on Xbox One. So at least I'll try it there. So better yet, if I can actually shop Amazon on it, that'll just really complete the full circle. <laughs> you never have to leave your couch. <laughs> I, I already really don't. Yeah, well. So... Any other thoughts on Amazon Prime? I know there were some really good tweets about Amazon Prime Day. I guess funny tweets. I guess there so was one really... hell of a deal by accident 
They had, uh, I can't think of what LG's latest phone is, their latest flagship phone. G4. G4. They had it for a penny for a very short time by accident. Oh, shit. And quite a few people were able to order them and actually got them delivered. Wow. Wow. So. Yeah, I know they had some 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 deals on TVs. They had some deals on TVs and monitors. Just none Mm -hmm. of them really struck me. And, And it was one of those things. You had to be on there like refreshing at the top of every hour and really keeping track because yeah. deals would come and go so quickly. Especially yeah, it was for, like, basically Black TV Friday. Deals. It was, it was yeah. a mess. So you, you really had to, to be there. I feel bad for all the people who work in warehouses for Amazon oh. because oh. I, I can't yeah. imagine that Thursday, Friday were fun days for them. No way. So, I mean, obviously people bought stuff. It, it must have been a success. I mean, you'd have probably the biggest online retailer or one of the biggest online retailers encouraging people to come and shop all day and fill their cart with stuff. It's inevitable that they're going to be successful. So was it a success? Probably. Were there any deals that any of us found (laughs) decent? Not really. Hey, don't don't diss the granny panties. Okay. Those those were a thing. Those were a thing, guys. They were. Uh, seatbelt extenders were another big thing that was on there. Uh, three or four different times I happened to catch seatbelt extenders, and I was like, damn it, America. That's for the people that wear the granny panties. <laughs> I guess I was like, <laughs> they want that extra skosh. <laughs> so, so, moving along to uh, other things that happened last week, last Thursday. Apple refreshed their iPod lineup, introduced updated iPod Touches, an updated iPod Nano, and updated colors for the Shuffle. But I don't think anything internal changed on the Shuffle. I'm not sure anything changed Correct. internally I don't on think the anything, Nano either. Yeah, the Nano and the Shuffle were just color changes. Okay. So now it's a, instead of being a kind of a teal aqua blue, it's a very royal blue, which I do quite enjoy. Um, instead of the corally reddish pink, now it's pink. And the uh, product red version is still there. And then black, space gray. A different shade of space gray, mind you, than the original space gray different iPod. Different shade of gray. It's just another, 50 shades of space gray. It's just another freaking version of it. Um, <laughs> gold and a silver that's a little silverier than the old silver whatever yeah more silvery or silver I, it's, now yeah, I even know. more silvery yeah so uh initial reaction was pretty positive we were we were pretty surprised by the ipod touch mm-hmm. um some some pretty big spec bumps they went from an a5 to the a8 correct so the same processor that's in the iphone 6 uh running slower same, though Un- underclocked a bit Probably because uh, of the battery, mostly. Because it's a little smaller device, so that you yeah. have a little smaller battery, so to get the same kind of life expectancy out of it, you underclock it a little. Um, similar or same camera optics as the iPhone 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, ba- basically, it's an iPhone 6 in a 4-inch fo- iPod casing. It's mostly the same optics. Um, the, the aperture is a little bit different. Okay. So it doesn't have the same low light performance. I remember seeing it doesn't have the sapphire lens cover either. I don't think. Oh, that's correct. It does not. So, more or less, a uh, a poor man's iPhone six. 
<laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. So with that, who who buys it? Like, who's it for? Because we, we talked about this last week, and now that they've refreshed it and really upgraded it to the iPhone 6, I know I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I'm ordering the blue one right now. And then I, I thought about it and looked at it in my cart, and then I changed it to the gold one, and then I looked at it in my cart again. <laughs> and then back to the blue one, I looked at it in my cart a third time, and I was like, why am I doing this? I have an iPhone 6. I have an iPhone 6 that I like a lot. And if I'm going to get anything, I'm going to get a 6 Plus. Why would I want an iPod Touch? So I don't know if, if Apple's just banking on that spontaneous, I'm going to buy this because it's new. Or if there's really a market for it that we don't know about. But uh, for me, I don't, I'm still not sure who buys it. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the actual actual market is for it. So based on that, and we've talked about this before, obviously, uh, this fall when the next iPhone comes out, what does the updated iPod say about the next low-end iPhone? Like, if we see a 6C, are we? is it going to be now the new iPod just with cellular? Is it is it the iPod that I was asking for last week? Just... I think so. I think so. I think the indication with where they stayed at the four inch screen, we're going to have a four inch iPhone next or this fall, because I just don't see where it's financially a good idea to for as few iPod touches as they sell to be making screens just for them. Although it's cheaper, but... as few as they sell, and you say that, and it's it's in reality, it's still. It's millions, but it's compared millions. to compared, <laughs> compared to, to the iPhone, the iPhone or, or even the iPad, which is, you know, slowly sliding, it's still minuscule. I mean, they don't even break them out by themselves anymore on the financials. Right. So, but I, I think we are going to see a four inch. It's going to be a, a plastic six. It's going to be a plastic. It's going to be an iPod touch with phone capabilities. So, so you think they'll go with plastic instead of the, the iPod Touch metal, the aluminum, mm. aluminum. I I like I really like the idea of. I don't. I like the idea of the plastic because it's. It immediately says this is, the, kind of low end, right. and it, it it feels like a low end, but it's still an iPhone, so it doesn't. But. You know, it has they that actually don't feel. I mean, that, the five C just it doesn't it feel. It feels like, like a great phone. Oh yeah, yeah, it feels like a great phone. I mean, I've played with them in the stores, and, and it's still a great, still better than ninety percent of the other crap that's out there. But but, but it, yeah, it, it definitely have... says it is the low end app, I, low end iPhone. So that that's my thing is like, I would, I would love to see like that blue iPod as a phone. Um, if I could get a blue iPhone 5 or 6C that'd be pretty awesome like with the aluminum that'd be but would you put cool. it would you put it in your shopping cart and then take it out and then put it yeah, back probably. in yeah okay. probably yeah, because it's still a 4 inch screen so it still doesn't, yeah. doesn't yeah. win me over it also makes me wonder if they'll do anything else with aluminum I suppose the old iPods were aluminum and they didn't ever do anything with the iPhone there so they probably wouldn't change that but it would certainly be cool to see a blue iPhone 6 Plus or a, I, mean, I don't know that I would carry it but a bright pink iPhone 6 Plus I, I know some people who would carry that 
I can see the market. Yeah. Yeah, probably people wear granny panties. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's it's an interesting, interesting device. It's an interesting, yeah. it's an interesting upgrade, and it it certainly made me wonder a little bit about what of it points to things we'll see this fall. Right. Indeed. Um, other things that we probably won't see this fall, but we could see this fall. Um, do you guys, do you guys follow the virtual reality stuff that's happening right now in the smartphone market with the, uh, Google cardboard and their whole thing or which they finally made available for iOS, right? Yeah. For the iPhone. And, and one plus is doing it for their one plus two thing that you can now get a cardboard viewfinder and you put your phone in it and it does some fancy stuff and Samsung's announced a version of it that's based on Oculus. And then obviously Facebook bought Oculus and did their thing uh to kind of try to position that. So do you guys think Apple could get into this virtual reality space? Is there a, a possibility of that? I don't think so. Okay. Um and if they do they're going to be very, very, very late to the game. Just because it's not a fully developed thing and people aren't buying into it yet? I, I, I don't think the value is there yet. I don't think the necessity is there. Um, they, they've got to figure out a way to make it essential, make it a function that people can't live without, more than just a fun gimmick. Sure. I, I, that's, I don't think that's it's anywhere of, near that point. That's been my thing, like, just the things I've seen previewed, it's like, well, here you can look around this virtual world or you can do like Google street view and look around. Well, I can do that on my computer with my mouse. I don't need to put a thing on my face to do it. So I've yet to see like a really good application of it, a really practical application of it. That's, you know, something that makes me think, Oh, this could really catch on. I'm not sure the virtual reality thing as a whole, just strapping something to my face seems a little bit strange. Um, so I'm not sure on the virtual reality kind of spectrum if it would even be something that people would use. I don't know. I I like the idea of virtual reality, but I don't like any of the executions of it I've seen so far. No. Um, kind of tying into that, uh, the gaming space, because obviously that's where everybody thinks virtual reality is going. Um. I've been thinking about gaming on iOS lately. You know, this whole, like, we hope for a better refreshed Apple TV thing that didn't happen, that now there's rumors that it's going to happen again. Um, how do you think Apple could kind of take gaming to, I don't want to say the next level, because that sounds so corny and cliched, but <laughs> do you think they could? Mm. Well, I don't think it's about gaming. Um with with the Apple TV. Now, I think we're going to see some very cool stuff with living room gaming, but I think the real focus point is going to be an uh, an Apple TV app store of some kind. Um, with that is going to come additional video services and streaming services and probably even music services as we would tend to expect. But I think the side effect of this the most natural side effect is going to be that people are going to want to have fun with it. 
Um, someone's going to want to do Angry Birds on their on, on their on their TV. Someone's going to want to do something a little bit more than what AirPlay can offer from a gaming perspective. Right. right. So I'm thinking like even the next step beyond that, I'm thinking like almost a console level. Like, is there something Apple can do there? It... Well, they tried it once and they weren't very successful, right? Uh, all held a Pippin. <laughs> that was so yeah, long ago. The, the, the Pippin was a disaster. I don't know if they're going to be too keen to enter that kind of a space again. But, you know, with the, with the the iPad Air, it's the 2 gigs of RAM. Now there's the talk that there could be no refresh to the iPad Air this fall because they're going to refresh the Mini and they're going to introduce this bigger version of the iPad, which in theory would bring them all up to the 2 gigs of RAM. If that becomes the the CPU, the processor for the game, I mean, think of the games you can run on an iPad right now. Some of these games are pretty damn realistic. I mean, they're at least as good as the Wii U, if not at least pushing you know, a little beyond that. Is it possible that they don't actually release a console, that the iPad or the iPhone becomes the brain of the device? Could Could gaming get to a... Maybe not Xbox One or PS4 level, but certainly to a console-esque quality. Certainly. Yeah, it's always possible. Is it possible with the hardware that's out right now? With the exception of the Apple TV getting a refresh, maybe? Because obviously it's a little bit ancient. Certainly possible with the current generation of both iPhone and iPad. At least the chipsets they're in. Yeah. I mean, Developers are doing amazing things, and now with what's it called, metal, metal. The, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's just really leading to a lot of great things. So it's always possible. And that's that's actually kind of what what makes me wonder about this is because you know the uh, obviously the updated iPod also has metal as uh, something that it can right, take it can access it. Of. And and so it's like, well, now you have almost every iOS device that's capable of playing games that's being sold now has the ability to utilize this intense graphic processor. It almost kind of says, well, we're going to really focus on how games can be played. But to me, it doesn't make sense unless those games can be played on a TV in your living room because as much as I love, you know, blasting the crap out of some pigs on Angry Birds on my phone... Like, I'm not going to play a real graphic-intensive game on my phone for very long because it's not that big of a screen. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big. And throwing it on, you know, a nice 60-inch TV or 70-inch TV is a whole other story. Yeah, big screen's definitely nicer when you're doing a a graphics-intensive first-person shooter or playing a sports game, you know, Madden. MLB. Well, and and Apple already has that whole backbone built for, you know, competitive play or multiplayer. Granted, most games right now aren't real-time multiplayer, but I imagine they could handle it. So, it's, I don't know, it just, it's just an interesting area to me, and it, I'm wondering if there's, there's something there that people are missing 
that might be coming in the near future. Going to be fun to watch. Yeah, good thoughts. Yeah. So the last uh, last thing I have on the list for official things to discuss, um, kind of sort of loosely pertain to what we're doing right now, which is podcasting. Um, and that is that this month, uh, iTunes will hit its 10 year mark of having podcasts, uh, as, as part of iTunes and Apple's kind of, you know, made a splash about it. If you like, if you hit the podcast homepage, it says, you know, 10 years of podcasts or whatever their hashtag, I think it's 10 years of podcasts they were using. And so that just made me wonder, you know, what are you guys, uh, what do you guys like to listen to on podcasts? You know, how have over the last, I don't know if you guys have been listening for 10 years or two years or two months or, you know, how, however long it's been, but what are some of your favorite podcasts and what have you kind of found along the way over the last, you know, potentially 10 years or more? I got my start in listening to podcasts with, uh, this week in tech, the, uh, what is now called the Twitter network. Yeah, um, me too. It, it was full of people that I I loved from television back in the tech TV days. Um, Leo Leo Laporte being chief among those, he was quite the quite the genius idol of mine for a long time. So after tech TV crumbled and I heard about them launching a podcast network, I was very excited to join. And they've fortunately seen quite an uptick since. They're now um, some of the very most popular technology podcasts in existence. Um, Mac Break Weekly is still one of my favorite podcasts, I must admit. Mm-hmm. Same here. I'm a big fan of some of the movie-related or showbiz-related podcasts, um, one of which is Gilbert Godfrey's Amazing Colossal Podcast. Gil- I love Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert always irritated the <laughs> shit out of me. Just hearing his voice and everything else. I can't. I be, cannot be, stand it. You can't stand the podcast. I, I can't stand his voice. Yeah, the voice is horrible. Just, and he goes off on do, tangents. Do you picture but, Iago every time Ian? I do. Every time I hear him, I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, where's Aladdin? Where's Jafar?" I. What I like about him, he's not afraid to just go out as far on a limb as he possibly can with some of his jokes. Totally politically incorrect. No matter, I mean, he just doesn't give a shit. If somebody tries to stop him, he keeps going until he can complete the joke, even if they're talking over him. It's great. But another thing, what what I really get out of his podcast is he has a lot of uh, guests like from, that were big in, say, the 50s and 60s and 70s, you know, um, Roger Corman, the king of the B-movies from the drive-ins in the 60s and 70s. And uh, I just listened to Marty Allen. Look him up, kids. Uh, he was uh, this really great comedian from the 60s. And he's like 92 years old, and he's still performing in Vegas. And uh, But he, he just has some reverence for these guys, and he, he listens. To, they have some great stories, and it's just great to listen to. Um the other one I listen to a lot is Mark Marin's podcast, the WTF podcast. Marin's somebody I didn't really care for as as far as stand up, but his podcasts are just fantastic. He was the one that got to do the Obama thing. Uh, yeah, he had Obama on his podcast. Ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I know that was a pretty big deal. Yeah, but most of his. Uh, 
guests are usually showbiz related or comedians. And it's interesting just to hear the, the behind the scenes stuff. I dig that kind of thing. So what about you, Ian? Yeah. For me, podcast is one of those things like I remember in, in college, I, I took a, a radio course right away freshman year. And just as something to, cause we had a live radio show one night a week for two hours so mine was like in the middle of the, it was like 11 o'clock to 1 a.m. or something ridiculous like that uh, on like a Wednesday night. So like no, literally nobody listening, uh, but it didn't matter. It was, you got to go on and make a fool of yourself and record it. And then your teacher got to grade it. So Kinda I did like that. What and we're so, doing right here. Yeah. Oh, very similar to what we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, very only with musical breaks. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, uh, I stumbled upon the, the onion, uh, they had their radio news network, which obviously it's the onion. It was, it was never real news, mm-hmm. but I made this bit out of every day during, or every week during the show, I would, I would check in with Doyle Redland, who was the fake onion news correspondent. And I would check in and what he would give a story and then I would play into the next song. So that was like the first podcast I ever listened to was this onion news thing and they were they were two to three maybe three and a half minute long little news segments and so i was like oh well podcasts are just like little news updates this makes perfect sense and then i tried to venture out beyond that and could never get myself into them because they were so long and i never wanted to pay attention for that long well then it's been in the last six months or so that i've actually gotten back into listening to more podcasts and obviously now we're doing one so you can see that I found that I kind of enjoy it. Um, so now, as far as like overall podcasts that I enjoy, I really like the Nerdist, which is Chris Hardwick. Uh, his is really funny, and he, again, he's one of those who brings on celebrities and talks to them about stuff. Um, so his is really good. I have a whole list of different tech people that I listen to. Um, pretty much everybody over at Relay FM and all of their podcasts mm-hmm. are fantastic. So that's that's what I've been into. But like I said, for me, I, I have not been a long-time podcast listener. I've listened here or there in the middle. I know, Glenn, you were on one, uh, I don't know, probably a couple of years ago now with... Yeah, I've, I've dabbled in podcasting for a few years. I've made probably a dozen or so guest performances on Not Another Mac podcast. Um, that's the one. I've... I've done a couple of others here and there, one or two episodes when, when invited, usually around Apple events. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've listened to some of those ones just in like one off nature, but it was mm-hmm. never a thing that I got into. And, and so for me, it didn't make sense why the podcast app was installed on an iPhone by default now. The thing I love seeing, um, and this is something that's really ballooned up in the past couple of years is this idea of podcast networks, uh, a, a whole collection of things that are, are related and that use a centralized support group to get advertising. Um, they, they band together around different types of content. Um, twit.tv is actually a really great example of this. They're a very good podcast network. Relay FM is a fantastic podcast network. The idea that we're getting something very much like channels of specific types of podcasts just delights me because this is the sort of thing that's going to help the medium become so much better. Yeah. So much better. So the fact that it comes preloaded on iOS, um, what do you guys think that says about podcasts? And before I, 
let you answer. Interesting statistic. Uh, 78% of those who listen to podcasts on an iPhone do it through the podcast app. 78%. Cool. Uh, 82% of smartphone podcast listening is on an iOS device. Wow. Imagine that out of knowing that like a single show, obviously not us by any stretch, but a single successful show could easily get a hundred thousand plus listens. What does that say about the podcast app on iPhone? Like how, how big of a deal is that, that we don't even realize? I guess it's really not that surprising given that podcasts were really born from Apple. I mean, the very first podcasts were offered through iTunes for the iPod Classic. Ten years ago. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like we've come full circle. They right. were the first platform. They're still the most popular platform. And they're still the platform that's continuing to pioneer this category of media. And I really do consider it a brand new category of media. It's something very unique. It's different from radio, very different from radio. It's different from other types of pre-recorded content because you know who your audience is. And there's a level of direct audience interaction through social networks like Twitter and Facebook. Um, It's almost like social radio. Something like that. A, A completely new category of entertainment and news. So, so off that mindset, is there a place within this updated Apple Music app for podcasts? I know we kind of sort of skimmed along it last week, talking yeah, about NPR. Kind of, yeah, we talked about newscasts and, and such on, on uh, Apple Music. I kind of see the podcast kind of staying over in their own niche, in their own app. Um, just because it is kind of a narrow casting type thing. It seems like Apple definitely tries to separate these things into their own categories intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes it easier to manage them as different types of media so that the iTunes store doesn't just become this colossal mess to try to navigate, right? Sure. You, you've got it sectioned off, at least as far as iOS devices are concerned, Um I'm frankly a little bit surprised that we haven't seen the same type of sectioning off when it comes to the Mac. I Means like see a podcast app included yeah. included with OS X separate apps. It's, for it's still all for the most part lumped into iTunes. That's true. So the idea that we could have separate apps on the Mac, do you think it's it's possible to happen? Do you think that we're to that point? Especially with the mess that iTunes now is with Apple Music added in? I wouldn't be surprised if this is the sort of thing that, that gets a lot of attention at Apple's inevitable fall event, which they've held every year for the last, I don't know, decade or so. They've always got something interesting to say in the fall. Um, the more popular Apple Music gets, I think the more inclined they're going to be to slim that down and, and make that something separately accessible on the Mac. The same is true of podcasts. Um, the more they can make these act like background tasks without requiring something that consumes a massive chunk of your system resources, 
the more people are going to use them and the more popular they're going to continue to become. iTunes doesn't consume system resources. Who are you kidding? No way. <laughs> like the, what? That and Chrome <laughs> were like the two biggest culprits. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to find out how many people actually do listen via the Mac. If I do, it's for little bits and pieces. I usually do it through my iPhone. I listen mostly to podcasts when I'm shaving, uh, showering, things like that. Instead of listening to music while I'm in the shower, I listen to the podcast. So that's probably why I wind up using my iPhone mostly. I just connect to the Bluetooth speaker in the wherever I'm at and just listen that way. So what I'm understanding is that you like to have people talk to you while you're naked. <laughs> Who doesn't? <I> do. <laughs> and if I could make a podcast to do that... It'd have to be a video podcast, obviously. Right. But with a wide ankle lens. And people would get confused, trust me. Uh, no, but I, yeah, I, I've, I'd always, I've always been, I've always listened to music when I was showering or doing something or working a thing. And then it's, as I've gotten older, I started listening more to talk shows and everything. So podcasts just kind of fit in better. Sure. Um, I, I know for me, I listen. And I do like people talking to me while I'm in the shower. I, yeah. I, I listen mostly when I'm I'm driving to and from work. Yeah, me too. So for that thirty minute or so yeah. car ride, there's no fiddling with changing songs or whatever. Although I found now I've I've been kind of bobbling between listening to Beats One, listening to podcasts, but at least part of the time I'm I'm listening to podcasts. So, All right. the car has become a a good place to listen. Because like you said, it's like listening to talk radio without all, well, I would say without all the ads, but a lot less ads, at least there are some ads and podcasts too. a lot less ads. And, and I feel like it's a much more concise uh, stream of consciousness that happens in podcasts than mm -hmm. talk radio where it's a lot of silence and a lot of thinking. Although there are some podcasts that are full of silence. You just don't know it because the magic of editing. Magic. <clears throat> Magnificent. <laughs> what? We, we took wait, care of that. Wait, wait. What, what, what was that thing that Chris coughed? Did that just get edited out? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, didn't cough, I didn't hear myself cough anything. There was nothing. Didn't I self-edit. Put didn't on happen. your tinfoil hats, kids. We've got a conspiracy. So, uh, <laughs> with conspiracies in mind, let's get to our something of the week. <laughs> and, uh, who wants to go first? Flip a coin. Three sides. Chris wins. All right, I'll take it. Mine came just as uh, one of the little emails I get about free apps of the day or something. It just caught my eye this week called Scene Past. And what they do is they find locations that have been used in movies, like, say, the Blues Brothers when they were in the shopping mall with the cop car. They show scenes they have a, a in the app. It's on iOS. In the app, they'll show you a scene from the movie, or at least a still from the movie, like the outside of the mall. And then they show you what it looks like today, which that mall was actually scheduled to be demolished and they before when they used it for the movie, and now it's just a big empty lot. 
or they'll have scenes from other movies like uh, that were set in Vegas, and they'll show what it looked like in the movie and show what it looked like today. And it's just as as a movie net, that's really interesting for me. They've got thousands of various scenes that just show the exact locations from then and now. So, and it's free. It's in the app store. Um, I guess we'll have the link in the show notes. I supplied it here. That's up to Mr. Ian to put in the show notes. But uh, it's just a great little app to play with. And you can kind of, it has like New York, LA, Las Vegas. You can pick a a town and and it'll show you the the various then and now photos. And that's all for me. It's no goat simulator, but it'll do. Mr. Glenja. So you have two. So I've uh, I've I've got two. Um, the first is a, a recently updated app that I've enjoyed for a very long time on the Mac that um, has rather recently become very very cool on iOS, and that's Pixelmator. Um, Pixelmator has for a long time been one of the leading alternatives to Photoshop on the Mac. Uh, the fact that it is now on iOS and in in a very big, very magnificent way. Um, is it a magnificent way or a magnificent way? A, a magnificent way. Uh, I don't know. Take your pick. You're the editor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the better image editing apps I've, I've used on iOS and I've used uh, quite a few, um, probably at least a couple of dozen. Pixelmator always has a way of making things very, very simple, very, very streamlined and very, very focused without a lot of the distractions and clutter that other editing apps um, often take on. And it's 99 cents right now, so uh, so go buy it, guys. Um, and then my second one is Goat Stimulator, because, uh, man, it's it's it never gets old to pretend <laughs> on screen that you are a goat running around town terrorizing people and doing stunts. Um, never gets old. Also available on iOS, I think that one's $1.99. Can't Who wouldn't want to be a goat, honestly? I can't believe goat. Ian's shaking his head, but it actually is a fun game. You know, I hate to agree with Glenn, but it's a fun game. Okay. I I guess I'll believe you. I find it hard to believe that being a goat is entertaining. Although, don't they have a, like an Xbox or PS4 or something version you can get to? I think I remember. There's a Windows version. Maybe it's, maybe it's and Windows. Maybe a Mac version too. Maybe that's what it was. Is it was a, a desktop version? It's like really, I can't believe this is a game. But I guess it actually started out as a joke, and then people responded to it so much that they actually uh, released a real. It, and version it should have stayed a joke. That just seems so ridiculous. Although, <laughs> although there are lots of lately, the last couple of years, lots of things have seemed like they should have been a joke. Uh, looking at you, El Cap, um, and. Instead, they they got released, and that was what what happened. So, oh, that one's the thing, Ian. It did stay a joke. You just don't get it. <laughs> I, maybe that's it. Maybe maybe I'm the only one who doesn't get the joke. So, yes, it's just yeah. you. Uh, so my, I, I I have one something of the week that that is an app, and one something of the week that I actually stumbled upon over the weekend. That's a a tangible physical thing, and the the app is Things, which is a checklist slash to do slash kind of self tracking app uh, for projects and tasks and stuff like that. And it's an app that I'm trying to do more of a uh, focused work 
when I work. So I'm less bouncing from project to project. So I try to start a project, finish it if I can. And so I've been using things as a way to, to add tasks as, as I get emails for different things to work on for work. As I go through things for the podcast or reviews that I'm writing, I can go through and say, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to find this and, and add all those to my to-do list. I can sort them by when to do them, things to do today, and then go through and as I complete them, check them off and feel good about myself because I checked them off my list. So it's, it's an app that I'm using to make me feel better. And uh, for me, I'm using it on my phone, uh, but they also have an iPad version and a Mac version and links for all those in the show notes. I think the phone version is 10 bucks. The iPad version is 20 and the Mac version. I don't remember. I want to say it's 30, but don't quote me on that. The other thing that I have for the week, and I gave Chris a little preview of what, what this is, is Hammond's chocolate. And in particular, the pigs and taters flavor, <laughs> which is milk chocolate with crispy bacon bits and potato chips in it. Oh my. And I know that sounds disgusting or fantastic. Oh. And let me tell Fantastic. you. Fantastic. And let me tell you, I in my mind I was like this sounds kind of gross. And then I took a bite of it and I was like this is going to be gross. But I have to put it in my mouth. Yeah, I, well it sounds kind of gross, but I got to put it in my mouth for a second. So I I took a bite and I was like this is going to be gross. And then I and I bit it and I was like no, it tastes like chocolate. And then it, I let it kind of settle cuz I didn't want to just like chew through it and, and not enjoy it. So I I took my bite of it. All of a sudden, I got this little wave of bacony flavor, and I was like, "That's pretty good." And then the crunch of the chips, Ooh. surprisingly. Now, I wouldn't recommend eating a whole bar in one sitting, and they're not very big, but it was kind of good. So I thought I would throw that as Ooh. as a bonus something of the week, and uh, <laughs> you can pick them up on Amazon and various grocery stores depending on where you are. So I'll have a link for that also in the show notes. I know Glenn's just absolutely mesmerized by the fact that you can buy chocolate with bacon and potato chips in it. I, he might be ordering it right now. I yes. believe he is shopping on Amazon right now. Hey, how did he you get? He has guess? the browser open. <laughs> your screen went white. That was the... You had that glow in your eye and you were... The drool in your beard was a dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to need a lot of that. Hammond's Pigs and Taters. And that's an N with apostrophe. Hammond's Pigs and Taters. Ah oh, man, that's uh, that was the thing, and and it, it's relevant because my my grandparents, my mother's maiden name is Hammond, so my mom had seen them at the store, and she like she thought, oh, Ian will just love this, so she picked one up, and then I saw my parents over the weekend, and <laughs> so she gave me that, and I opened it today and tried it, and by George, it was not too bad. <laughs> so, uh, with that, any last words to share on the podcast? And if you pick bacon, uh, that's the wrong one. I think we're good. All we can think of is bacon and Heineken. Bacon! <laughs> bacon and Heineken. All right. Well, my thanks once again to Chris and Glenn for joining me. Uh, remember, you can always find Chris on Twitter at CLHawk and posting stories at MacTrast.com. You can follow MacTrast at MacTrast. You can follow us on the Magnificent Podcast while you're at it at Magnificent FM. Glenn can be found on Twitter at the Glenja, and you can find me on Twitter at Ian Fuchs. 
And you can find all the things we talked about in the show notes at magnificentpodcast.com and tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskMagnificent. And we can get to those if we get any winners in the, in the little spreadsheet that gets populated. And if you enjoyed the show, you can leave us a rating or a review in iTunes. Or you can share us on your social networks. Or you can tweet at us. Or you can just listen to the episode and move on. Whatever it is. And uh, with that, thank you too. And we will catch you all next week. just to try it and that's how i got married that's right well, i actually grabbed it just to try it's how i spent you know like three months in my bedroom by myself when i was 12 but we won't go into that <laughs>